in three, two, one. Are we live, John? We are live, Mo. Awesome. Hey, guys, thank you for tuning in to our third live Wheelhouse show. I'm really excited about this week's show um, for a couple of reasons. we got two amazing guests today. We have some alcohol in the room that I'm eyeing. You probably can't see it on camera. Um, so we're excited to try that out today. Um, before we get started, um, I'll introduce John again. John is your director and producer. I don't know if you can see him yet. I can see him. Boom. Can they see you? Hi, everybody. Your cool How you doing, Mom? brick wall. I'm doing good. Good. I'm still jealous since last week about your brick wall, but I don't have a cool wall behind me. I know. I went to uh, I went to get our little Roman soldier that we had on hold. Somebody took it. Somebody took it. I was so upset. I was like, really? I had it on hold. Da, 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 da. I hadn't put money down. That was my own fault. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's gone. So we're gonna find out something. We'll figure out something else. We're I'm Persian, so we got to get something like big and loud and probably gold behind me. I, I like <laughs> we'll get some huge statue behind me and. It'll look cool, like we'll, a brick wall. We'll get something. We'll, we'll pimp the place out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we are Facebook Live today. We're going to be on YouTube pretty soon. Do us a favor. If you can like AE Wheelhouse, if you can follow us, share us, we really appreciate it. We are very, very thankful and blessed for all the love we got the last couple of weeks. We've had thousands of views on our last two live shows. A lot of the clips that John is editing and putting up have a lot of great information. I learned a heck ton of a lot of stuff from um, our last two weeks worth of guests. And today we have two awesome guests again. Our first guest happens to be the beverage director of one of my favorite steakhouses in Chicago, Smith & Walensky. Um, I am going to butcher his last name if I try. I've tried f like 40 times since he got here about a half hour ago and every time I pronounce it differently. So I'm just going to say Alec and then I'm going to let you pronounce your last name for them. It's Alec Brugenthies. Brugenthies. All right, I got it. Um, and you're with Smith & Walensky? Yes. Awesome. How long have you been there? Uh, I've been there, uh, July will be nine years. Awesome. And I found out before we got on air that Smith & Walensky in Chicago is actually your third location, right? Yes. We opened uh, about 20 years ago this month. Uh, the first one's in New York. They opened about 40 years ago. Awesome. And then one in Miami too, right? Uh, the one in Miami opened in between the two stores. They opened about a year before the one in Chicago. You guys have one of the coolest spots in Chicago for a steakhouse just being right off that river. It's amazing. Yeah. Our location definitely helps us out. And real estate is certainly, as I said, certainly something that our, uh, our restaurant group does very well. If you go to any of our locations, we are in prime spots in those cities. Yeah, it's like the perfect spot in Chicago. And um, great steak, great food, and great drinks. Have you always kind of been in the beverage wine sector? Uh, yes, for about 16, 17 years now. Okay, cool. How did you get into that? You just love drinking? Uh, well, I've always been in the service industry, and I, that's something that I've always had a sort of affinity and interest for. And I've always wanted to know more about the history and the service of all these different products. And uh, I thought I could specialize my restaurant management uh, resume by focusing more on that. And this is where it's taken me. Cool. Um, so is, is it more wine or beverage and wine that you're kind of you're focused on? I know wine's a passion of yours. Uh, we chatted about that. It, it is. And in every position that I've really had, it's been the main focus. But uh, it's certainly helpful to... Uh, you know, also focus on spirits, yeah. cocktails, and uh, and beer as well. Beer is actually sort of the first passion. Really? And then after that, it was, uh, this is when I was, uh, you know, out of college in Evanston working in a bar. Uh, it was an Irish pub. So I was 
you know, sort of in charge of the beer and the whiskey. And they're like, oh, and pick the wines. I'm like, okay, I'll, wine should be easy, you know, sure. after, after scotch, right? Uh, so, yeah, certainly understood that, uh, you know, I was completely naive, dove headfirst into wine, and here I am. Awesome. And we spoke a little bit about before the show started about kind of the, you've, you've been to wine country and, you know, when they're harvesting wine, it's a, it's a big undertaking. I didn't mention it, but I've been to a hop farm in Michigan, hophead farm actually in Michigan. And I had not as big of an appreciation as I do now about the process. You know, you grab a beer, you open it, you drink it and you're like, oh, this tastes good and it's fun. But you don't realize all the stuff that goes into actually making beer. And I'm guessing wine is just as crazy of a process. Oh, you could say the same for beer, wine and spirits. There's an extensive process to get to that finished product. Have you gone and watched all of it? I know you said you went to wine country. Have you done it at like a kind of a hop farm and then... The... I, I haven't been to a hop farm. I've been to many breweries okay, uh, cool. and a few distilleries, but uh, I haven't seen the... Uh, you know, I haven't gone to a hop farm and seen that process from the very beginning. It's a... It's a tough process, it looked like. The kids that were working there were working their butts off. And my girlfriend's uh, stepdad is... Uh, he, he's worked on the farm... And uh, he did a lot of, like, um, putting up the trellises and a lot of engineering stuff. And they were like, do you want to work on the farm a little bit? And I was like, not really. This looks like a lot of work. I think whether it's for beverage production, food production, any type of farming is hard work. Yeah. Uh, some trips to uh, California, I've had the opportunity just to, uh, you know, clip leaves off because too many leaves on the vine can, you know, give you a, a pallid, thin wine. So, you know, you make passes through the vineyard. And you're, you're bending down, you're standing up, you're climbing these steep grades. It's hard work. And that's just walking around with scissors, essentially, snipping leaves off. It's crazy. It's crazy that it's such a detailed process. And we kind of spoke a little bit about where to go in California before, again, we got on the air. Any recommendations of places to go in wine country if somebody was traveling out that way? Uh, my favorite spot to go is Sonoma, just because there's more of a variety of wines there. Uh, if you go to Napa Valley, you're going to be inundated with Cabernet. If you love Cabernet, go for it. Uh, Napa Valley is also significantly more expensive than Sonoma, I found. Uh, Sonoma, you have different, uh, different valleys, different areas where, uh, you know, Zinfandel's a star, Pinot Noir's a star, Cabernet's a star. You have uh, a lot of different varieties. And I think uh, sort of the culture of everyone there is a little bit more casual, a little bit more accepting. Yeah. So I am self-admittingly not a really good wine connoisseur at all. I have a ton of wine in a big bar that I have in my house. So if people come over, they can pick out what they want. But I literally just go to Benny's and I'm like, I know people like that. And I know people like that. And I have no rhyme or rhythm to what I do. And I just buy the stuff I've heard people like. But I go on a lot of networking events or dinners. And I'm always kind of the shy guy who won't order the wine for the table because I just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Are there any like tips and tricks for a guy like me who doesn't know very much about wine? I know like sometimes they say pair one type of wine with one type of food. Any tips or tricks for a guy like me who doesn't know what the hell he's doing? Well, if uh, wherever you go, there is a wine professional, uh, certainly seek that person's advice. Okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, seeking, you know, any professional's advice. Right. You know, if, uh, if you have a question about law, you go to a lawyer. If, uh, you know, we were talking real estate earlier. You know, if I had questions about housing, you know, I'd go to someone like you. You know, you walk into a restaurant, you know, you don't know that much about wine. Seek out the wine professional. Uh, if there isn't one there, um, definitely go with something that, well, I guess one of the things I enjoy about wine is the fact that there's so much out there. There's always going to be a new experience waiting for you every day. So 
I think it's always fun to try something new. Uh, I think one of the obstacles that people, uh, you know, are a little nervous about is foreign wines, French, Italian, German. Uh, a lot of those labels are indecipherable to people, and you know they get uh, they get discouraged because they're unsure what they're having. So they uh, you know they fall back on something that they've had before, uh, which is fine uh, because it's something that you know you like and something that you know other people like. So you can go that route or. Uh, if it, you know, you're, you know the sort of the flavor profiles of what you or, you know, the group that you're ordering for are interested in, seek that wine professional's advice and let them know what you're looking for. And they'll probably, you know, find something for you that will be new to you that you'll enjoy. It'll be a nice surprise. What's like the most, and this is going to be, could be a very general dumb question, but what's the most popular type of wine that you guys are serving at, like a Smith & Walensky? Uh uh, Napa Valley Reds, easily. Easily? That's, uh, you know, at least half, if not more, of our sales. Okay, cool. But, you know, a lot of that is because we're a steakhouse, and that's a, right. you know, natural pairing. Steakhouses are, uh, you know, essentially an American invention when it comes to global dining. So, uh, you know, American red wines is what, uh, you know, people expect to have. Awesome. Um, w- so if I wanted to make my bar at home more friendly for people coming over what's that address mo (laughs) yeah um it's stocked and a lot of tequila so i got a lot of tequila i'm in a fair amount of whiskey and a good amount of wine tons of beer too now everyone's going to show up in my house but two three kind of like good wines to have for entertaining uh mid price points Oh, so we're, you're looking for specific brands, not just uh, not just styles. Whatever styles. Because I was, brand. you know, recommend. Obviously, people are uh, familiar with and enjoy Cabernet. Um, Pinot Noir is something that's very popular, but on the lighter side by comparison to Cabernet. And uh, I think it's always important to have either a white or sparkling. Okay. Um, you know, at least to start. You know, as a cocktail or reception wine. Sure. Um, I actually personally, I drink a lot more white wine than I do red. Okay. Uh, mainly because I'm drinking wine when I'm done with work, and you know I find it you know to be refreshing. Is there one that gives a bigger hangover than the other? Um, well, obviously reds with more alcohol, and okay. because they have uh, have more tannin, that doesn't help. Um, but you drink enough of anything, yeah, uh, you're going to get a hangover uh, just because of the alcohol content. Uh, now in my mid thirties, if I drink anything of any amount, I have a hangover, and it's not just like. A day, it's two days or three days. Oh, I completely relate. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 40, and if I have three beers, I have to, you know, think about what I'm doing the next day. So I, I race cars, and my car says Tequila Patron on the side. And admittingly, I wasn't like a big fan of tequila back in the day, but everybody started buying me Patron because I drove the car that says Patron on the side of it. So I just naturally started drinking a lot of Patron, which is bad because that's terrible for hangovers. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, any spirit is just yeah. because it's, uh, you know, higher, higher alcohol content and, you know, you're apt to drink more. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to kind of the service industry so that, um, you know, some of the, some of our people watching, um, can get a little, uh, quick tip or some tricks about, um, working in the service industry. I tell a lot of people who want to be business owners, you should, especially when you're a little bit younger, so you can kind of get the experience go work in the service industry for a little while because it teaches you so much about a customer service b working in 
kind of a high stress situation. And I, I did it oh, like a, as a delivery boy um, when I was younger, but you're running around and it's a, it's a very high stress situation. But I tell a lot of people, if you can gain experience by working in the service industry, it's, it's invaluable type of experience. Do you take any of that now from your, when you first started in the service industry and do you see any trends for people who go from service industry into owning businesses? Oh, absolutely. Uh, just for the simple fact that you are dealing with people from different walks of life, uh, all of the time, uh, you know, in, you know, some lines of work, you know, you might see, you know, anywhere from two to five, you know, clients or guests, if you will, a day, you know, if you're working in a restaurant or, you know, you know, delivering things, something like that, any type of high volume service, you're seeing all sorts of different people every day. It's like speed dating almost. Yeah. That's a good um, way to put it. And everybody is different. And it teaches you to handle different situations, you know, throughout your career, whatever that career may be. Yeah. And you've, um, I mean, Smith & Wolinsky gets really busy. And I think that what you guys do fantastic is your, your service level is always at a very high level, no matter what. And I always tell uh, when I'm coaching people who are starting a business, and a lot of times people think to themselves, well, when should I grow my team? do with team as I grow. And I, my recommendation always is if your customer service starts to drop, you have to restructure a little bit and you have to change the way you approach your business. You have to add more staff or do things to make um, your customer service get better. Um, and I know you guys in the service industry, that's the big thing is customer service, right? If that fails, then especially in a Yelp world now, you're in a lot of trouble. Oh, especially with... Uh you know, not only Yelp, but TripAdvisor and That's even, right. you know, open table uh, uh, reviews, you know, we're, we're certainly under the microscope with every single table and service is the number one thing that we stress with our staff. Um, and with more and more restaurants opening, it's becoming more and more difficult uh, just to find, you know, the right fit, the right people. Um, you know, we always look for someone that has a strong service background, having, you know, done either steakhouse or fine dining. Uh, you know, previously, because it's sure it's something you can teach, but it's something that we need to have people that, uh, you know, have some experience with, you know, you can't go from, you know, working at say McDonald's to right. a restaurant. That's, that's too much to teach in a short period of time. So it's, you know, you sort of climb the ladder, you know, as far as, you know, quality of places that you work and, you know, you, you have to have that strong service, uh, a background. You have to have people that you can rely on. Yeah. I totally agree, especially in this world where, um, and we're going to talk about branding with our next guest in a little bit and kind of getting your name out there online and then obviously with, with products. But the internet has gotten to be such a powerful tool to push your business and brand your business, but it also has the ability to make things go negatively viral very fast. I always, I feel bad for all my friends that have restaurants because of Yelp. You know, people typically go on Yelp to bitch and moan about bad things that, they could have probably not bitched yeah, and moaned four, about. Four, four out of five uh, reviews are negative because someone's angry and they want someone to listen. Right, and and it's you probably there's probably a hundred people that go through and they've had a great um, level of service and a great meal and everything's great, but the three people that just were pissed off about something small are going to be the people that are now. Um, representative of maybe your online profile, which is a total pain in the butt. Yeah, this is, it's something that happens uh, very often. Uh, one of the things we do to try and ensure that that doesn't, uh, you know, continue or, uh, 
peep, you know, certain missteps don't slip through the cracks is that uh, myself and the other managers make sure that you know, we interact with every single guest, make sure that they're enjoying themselves. Because that's why they're there. You know, they come in to have a good time. We're there to make sure that it happens. And we try and give them that opportunity to, to let us know if that isn't happening. Uh, often people will say, oh, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to embarrass myself or my other guests. Right. But then we can't fix the problem because we don't know that there is a problem. Uh, and then, you know, they'll go online or they'll send us an email and say something. And one of the first things we ask is, you know, did, did someone come up, come up to you and approach you and, you know, find out how things were going? And they'll say yes, but, you know, we were, we were embarrassed. So that makes things difficult because, you know, we had an opportunity, presented them with the opportunity to let us know what was wrong, and then they don't, uh, they don't let us know. And then when they get home, they go online and say, this was bad, this was terrible. And this is kind of just a Yelp thing, and, and it's for any business owners out there. Yelp is tough because, and I don't know if TripAdvisor does the same thing. I've actually had on the legal side um, a client of mine who with Yelp, they had a angry ex-employee and they were basically a med spa so they were selling on groupon and their rating was like a four and a half out of five stars and they pissed off an ex-employee and the ex-employee went and wrote all this crap about them on yelp now yelp somehow filtered out a lot of their good reviews and left a bad review so they went from a four and a half star to like a one and a half star so they got a call from groupon and said hey your rating went from four and a half to one and a half. We just can't have you on. And what stunk for them was 90% of their business came from the Groupon that they were selling. So they called me in like a panic. What do we do? What do we do? And I said, and Yelp had called them and said, well, if you advertise with us, you have a little more latitude on, you know, kind of, you know, advertising stuff, but they wouldn't say flat out that, we will refilter stuff because they can't say that. I was like, that sounds like extortion. This is that this sounds is, catastrophic. It's terrible. That's, so that sounds like a nightmare. I I felt bad, so I started reaching out to you know their legal department, and um, they and I don't mean to badmouth Yelp because I'm sure I'm gonna get a. I have a couple friends that work there on Facebook, and I'm about to get some nasty messages. But um, I reached out to the legal department, saying, "Hey, listen, I got to talk to you guys about this." Ignored me, ignored me, ignored me. I finally got a call from somebody that was like, "Hey, is." butchers my name you know so and so there and i'm like yeah and he goes uh good luck you won't be the first person to sue us you won't be the last person you're never going to win why don't you google class action yelp and then um see what pops up and i'm like what so i google it and i'm like holy smokes there's a lot of people like my client that have run into this sort of scenario and there's nothing they can do they have no latitude because the um the cyber laws really protect them and their terms of service are kind of airtight and there's nothing you can do um so i always feel bad especially in the service industry because you guys are doing your best no service industry especially a restaurant especially a high-end one wants you to have a bad time when you come in you guys are doing everything you can sometimes people complain about the dumbest things um so yeah so that's a big thing online profiles now oh absolutely and you know, people will complain for, you know, the silliest reasons. And, you know, just could be, you know, maybe they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and they, maybe they went out to have a bad time, as, you know, yeah. I say from time to time. Yeah. Or they had a bad time and they went out and carried that with them. Exactly. All right. Um, what about a learning? We had talked about a kind of a learning experience and, and you had mentioned it to somebody who's getting into the same sort of workforce, maybe even into the service industry. You got a good learning experience for these guys? Uh, I do. Uh, so, you know, I think we all sort of felt uh, 
you know, the, the pinch with the, you know, the economic, uh, you know, fallout, whatever we want to call it, you know, yeah. end of 2008, beginning of 2009. Uh, at the time, I was working at a restaurant downtown here. And myself and a lot of other people that are beverage professionals lost their jobs because people were running out of money and we seemed to be somewhat expendable. And so I spent the six months, you know, looking for a similar type job. There weren't any out there. And I was traveling the country, you know, flying to D.C., flying to San Francisco. And it was really discouraging. And it got to the point where I'm like, is this something that I really want to do? Is this something that I can do? And But it's, you know, something that I really enjoy. I didn't want to do anything else. Yeah. So I really just, you know, kind of waited it out. And uh, that's actually when I started working at, six, uh, at uh, Smith & Walensky about six months later. And I'm really glad that I did stick with it because, you know, if I decided to go, you know, a different, you know, different route, whether it be business or teaching, whatever it might be, you know, I might be successful, but I might not be as happy or as interested in the field that, you know, I felt that I was sort of pushed into because of, you know, the economics of things. So I think if you're doing something that you're, you really care about, something that you really enjoy, and something that interests you uh, to the point where you're willing to do it 70, 80 hours a week, then stick with it no matter what those obstacles are because there will be a way around it. Yeah. And if you're dedicated to it and you're putting yourself, you know, in the position to succeed, even when the economic climate doesn't really allow you to do so, you will get to where you're going. It might just take a little longer. Bit I love that. You and I have kind of a similar story there. When I got out of law school, it was 2009. So job offers really, really stunk. You know, the big law firms had laid off good attorneys and they were taking entry level jobs because they had bills and families uh, to support. And I got out and there was no job offers. There was a $35,000, a $37,000 offer. And I just got out of law school and I opened my own law firm. And it was real tough the first couple of years. I mean, I was on Craigslist saying, I'll cover a case for 50 bucks just to build a database. But it was just kind of that, exactly what you said. If, you, if you're going to do something, don't quit. You just have to kind of grit forward and keep going because you know, if you bail on it and go do something else, you might regret it five, 10 years. And every market cycles up, it cycles down. Now, the last one cycled down really tough on everybody, but you did the right thing. That's a great thing. No, I, I, I think I did, and I'm, I'm glad I did because I know, you know say, say, for instance, I went to real estate nothing wrong with that. I'm sure I'd enjoy it, probably be very good at it. Who knows? Maybe I'd be terrible. But, you know, I'd look back and be like, oh, yeah, I used to know a lot about wine. Yeah. You know, and then I'd just be the guy that would get the wine list handed to him every time he went out to dinner or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, all right. Before we bring on our next guest, because I saw you market on a questionnaire we had sent you, and I am a huge fan. Um, you're a fan of Westworld, which just aired uh, the second season a couple days ago. Yes. You have not watched the first episode? I yet? have not watched the first episode. So when the first season came out, I watched the first two episodes, enjoyed them, was excited for more, but you know, life happens. I don't watch that much TV as it, as it is. Um, and then I saw the second season was coming out. Like, okay, this show's gained some steam. I like the first two episodes. I'm going to binge watch, you know, first season and that's basically what i did all last week you well, did at least it in the, the smart way i worked a lot too you did it the smart way because i it was like 18 months ago the first season aired so when i watched the second episode the first episode of the second um season i was confused as hell i'm like what the heck is going on now because it starts right away and it's real crazy and aggressive just and picks up right where it left picks off. off and has like 10 new storylines or at least maybe i don't remember the old storylines but it's it's absolutely nuts there was a uh, article I read about artificial intelligence. We we're chatting about it a little bit too. 
um, and I don't think you were here yet, Carrie, and I'm going to bring you on in a second, but it was an article that was talking about two guys that started a AI research where they had two computer robots communicating with each other, and they're trying to get them to communicate back and forth, essentially using computer code or like an English language or a language that we would understand. And very, very quickly, they started to communicate in their own language that was not deciphered at all. It wasn't something they could distinguish, and they shut the whole thing down. They had spent, I don't know, six million bucks or something on the research, and they deemed it so dangerous that these two things started their own conversation and could communicate quickly. And they're like, well, this is crazy. This is way too dangerous, and they shut it down. So it's nuts. So this whole Westworld artificial intelligence is kind of a crazy thing because people are actually researching it now. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I studied a fair amount of philosophy in college, and uh, one of the things I really enjoy about the program is that it touches on a lot of different uh, philosophical uh, elements. You know, you could go as far back as, you know, the allegory of the caves or, um, you know, sort of uh, things that B.F. Skinner talked about, like, you know, where does, where does thought begin? Uh, what is a cognitive entity? What is real? What isn't real? Yeah. And, you know, who's to say that, you know, in this program, these created beings aren't real because they can think and make decisions the same way that, you know, regular people can in that right. show. And their knowledge is exponential, too, because they learn so much quicker than we do. So it's exponential. So it's, it's pretty interesting and also a little scary. It's, a, it's an intelligent program. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. I'm going to bring in our next guest, Carrie Lee. Carrie is the CEO. She just coined that term or she came up with it or told us about it. And I love it. CEO of Get It Made and Chicago Rex. She's a local entrepreneur. She's an expert in branding. I'm going to show you guys this stuff because it's cool. John, can you zoom in on this? By the way, John, I don't know if the people, if you guys are listening and you can't hear me, let me know because my headphone just went out a little bit ago. So hopefully everybody else can hear me. Hmm. Hopefully. Hey, guys, if you're uh, watching... Put in the comment section if you can hear me okay, because if you can't, I'll shout really, really loud. I so. can hear you just fine. Oh, you can? Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Um, now, I want to zoom in on this thing. She branded these cool way out. I got T-Rex arms. I can't get <laughs> way the hell out there. Are you kidding me? No, yeah. It's beautiful. Look, we got a bunch of them now. They're these uh, wheelhouse coasters. They're so cool. What are these made of, Carrie? These are made of upcycled laminate flooring. Okay. Familiar with that place? This is cool. This is amazing. Thank you. You're, You're our first welcome. guest to bring us swag. We have a guest, John, that brought us wine and a guest that brought us swag. So the rest of our guests, you guys better bring us something cool because <laughs> this, is, this is super cool. Um, that to me says, this show is heading in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, and as he said, he can hear me fine. Thanks, Tom. Now we know. Um, so tell me, um, what um, do the two entities do? What does Get It Made do, and what is Chicago Rex? Sure. So I'll, do, I'll go in chronological order. Perfect. So I became an entrepreneur two years ago. Okay. So I'm relatively new at this. But uh, my first venture was called Bever at the time, which okay. stood for beverage. And it was an atlas of activities that you could do with a drink in hand, whether that be coffee, or craft soda, cocktails, wine, whatever. So cool. And now it's called Chicago Rex, and that's because it's both uh, recreation activities and recommendations. So 
unlike Yelp and Google, when you search for ping pong bars in Chicago, they're going to give you a keyword-driven result, whereas I manage a database of verified venues, and then I talk about what to eat, drink, and do at those venues. So cool. So we were talking, too, before we started, one of the emails that we send out kind of as a marketing email, but an email to our sphere of influences, things going around going on around Chicagoland this month. And it's the most popular thing that we send out because people just love knowing what's going on and you take it to a totally different level and just explain everything that's good. Have you been to all these spots? I haven't. Uh, a lot of it is just from either Instagram stalking places to cool. see what the patrons actually do yeah. at places. And then I try to get around town, but as you know, there are a lot of places to go. Yeah, and, and growing really fast. Uh, by the way, I'm a really good ping pong player, so... Wherever I gotta go play ping pong, I gotta go do that. John, we'll we'll play. There's a ping pong bar. Uh, there are a few. There's there are spin, a few. There's, there's one. Ace there's one next door to Smith and Walensky. Is there? Yeah. I could have. I could play ping pong, then come have a steak. Because backwards, I'll just be slow and tired. Right. You'll give me wine too, and then I'll be drunk and bad at ping pong. <laughs> You're making excuses already. Yeah, I'm making excuses. Um, cool. Um, what's the website so we can put it out there? So that website is Chicago Rex, R-E-X. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm going to check it out. So when I'm going out, I'm in the suburbs now, but when I come back into the city to go out, I'm going to check that out. That's a really cool idea. And you started that two years ago? Yes. Okay, cool. And uh, during that process, I was learning how to build a database without experience doing that. And then also starting out being new, I didn't have a following. So to make money, I used Shopify and sold products on my online store. And people started ordering products from my store who were not in Chicago and could care less about Chicago Rex. Wow. And that got me curious. Uh, and so then I started consulting with other business owners that I had met to talk about Shopify, e-commerce, adding e-commerce to an existing business using on-demand fulfillment, which is basically wow. a lean inventory strategy where you don't buy 50 t-shirts at a time and keep them in your home or office. You just post the design online, maybe you order a sample, but then as orders come in, your printer gets an email, they have the design on hand, and they print, pack, and ship it directly to your customer. That's brilliant. You've covered a lot of ground in two years. What made you want to be an entrepreneur? So what was the moving point for that? I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, both my parents were entrepreneurs, and I had a lemonade stand. Uh, nice. And then I took that to the next level and sold rocks on the side of the road. <laughs> Get out of town. For real? <laughs> so I've always been pretty weird. Um, but yeah, I painted them. So I painted rocks, and I, they were not very aesthetically pleasing, and no one really bought them. But the, one of the things, were you like like an adult <laughs> selling rocks because you were no a kid. It, was, it was uh last month last um, month yeah <laughs> yeah location location yeah location. I'm superior <laughs> yeah no but uh, I'd wanted to start my own business for a while so I had a list of ideas and finally I just decided okay I'm in a position where I can support myself financially for a while so let's just run with it go with it and how's it been it's been good. Awesome. Yeah. You're never going to go back to not being an entrepreneur is my guess. I don't think so. I will fight tooth and nail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I, I remember my first two, three years when I was really struggling. I, I applied once again for jobs at, at one point to take part-time jobs. And I got my real estate broker's license to have a second job, but even that wasn't enough. So I had applied um, for some jobs. 
but I'm glad I just kind of gritted it out because the first two, three, four years, it's really, it's sometimes even eight or nine years, it, it's, it's a grindy, you know, method of earning an income. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you love, hate about it? Um, so love I just hired my first employees. Good for you. And I was worried about that because, yeah. well, payroll. Right. <laughs> um, but it's been really fun to have a team. Yeah. And I've been a solo entrepreneur since I started and just having uh, people in the office with me have a shared vision, get to yeah, talk cool. to somebody. It's almost like yeah. they probably feel like I use them as therapists sometimes, yeah. business therapists, but uh, it's good. What made yeah. you do that? Hire more staff. I needed help. Help. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's what we were touching on a little bit. At, at some point you get so busy, you're like, I have to hire people to help me out. And yeah, it's a fresh perspective too. Cause we have 60 agents in our office now. And I say this all the time. They teach me as much as I learn researching everything that I research only because you have so many different viewpoints and ideas and mindsets. So it's awesome expanding your team because it, I always say let the chef do the cooking, but also there's a lot of different people who can add a whole lot of value that you just never knew existed. Yeah. So that's and awesome. Also, uh, so get it made is my second venture. And so we do custom products for individuals and businesses and then build e-commerce stores for them. And Very so we're cool. starting to get clients who are recurring clients. And so that's why I needed help is because I'm getting orders for, t-shirts and so i can't be running around heat pressing something and then right. making calls i'm i'm kind of a klutz and i'll probably burn the, the office down <laughs> if i don't have someone to delegate certain things to yeah and it's that whole idea of customer service that you know alec and i were talking about um you know once at some point you get so busy you're like i'm gonna start missing things or doing things wrong i always think that's the right time to start expanding so products and you were talking about being smart with inventory. I think that's super important and it goes even a step further. You just gotta be smart with budgeting for you know any new business. Uh, talk about that a little bit more. Are there any products that you see are just common and more people order them than others? Yes, so t-shirts are the most popular product and I think that's because traditionally that's what, that's what you do when you're getting uh, something made for a bachelorette party or for a 5K. Oh, well, let's make T-shirts. But I have, again, another database, kind of like databases. Smart. But um, a database of all the custom products that you can get made one at a time. Okay. So that's the key difference of Get It Made compared to other promotional marketing companies, which typically have a minimum order quantity of 100 or 50. So uh, we get things made one at a time. Awesome. I have to definitely talk to you, Jeff. I saw him listening, my business partner. We're gonna have to chat with you about making a bunch of cool stuff because I think branding is so important. This is the coolest coaster I've ever seen, <laughs> um, but I also just think that um, intelligent branding really sets you apart because right now on social media, everybody's online, everyone's doing crazy stuff online, but some of this old product marketing, especially in my realm of the world and real, with realtors and we're giving things away, we're giving closing gifts, I feel like people aren't creative enough. So this is really cool that you guys have an array of things that business owners can reach out to and actually customize. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's turnaround time for most? I guess it's different, right? Depending on what it 
Yeah, it depends. But what it depends on is if I make it in house or if I outsource it to another printer. Okay. So I am a member of M Hub, which is a makerspace and product prototyping space in Chicago. It's around the corner from my office. And that's where I laser engraved and cut out those coasters. So I did that earlier today. Wow. Uh, And then the flipping coins and some of the other things that I make in house, same thing. If I have time, I can do it same day. Uh, And then. T-shirts, for example, and I've been told that when I talk about printing techniques, I'm really boring, so I'll try to keep this short. It's uh, new to me, so it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Stay away. Talk talk about law. Law is boring. (laughs) When I talk about law to people, they're like, shut up. This is going to be more interesting. Oh, yeah, well, get ready. So T-shirts can be screen printed. That's what people are most familiar with. But you have to create screens for the different colors or the different designs, and if you have different sizes or placements, then you might have to create more screens, so there's a setup charge. Most on-demand fulfillment printers will use either direct-to-garment printing, which is using a machine like an Epson printer to to print directly onto the cotton or poly, whatever the garment is. And then there's sublimation, which is a heat transfer technique where you take dye and you basically re-dye the garment, so that's the longest-lasting and the generally the most expensive. And then what I do in-house is using heat transfer vinyl. So it's kind of like with athletic jerseys when you see the numbers on the back and they're kind of plasticky. It's that texture. So I call what I do in-house for t-shirts proto shirts because if you wanted to sell a t-shirt online and you want to start with one, vinyl or direct to garment or sublimation, those are your options. And then if you scale up, and you want to order more at a time, then you probably want to go with a screen printer or a larger volume printer for both cost and quality. That makes so sense. That That's not boring. Somewhat probably not boring. boring. <laughs> no, that, that was interesting. Things we probably don't know. The coaster, and actually Alec Off Air has been opening wine bottles here. Um, so we'll start drinking while doing the round table. I got T-Rex arms, so I'm never going to be able to reach it. That little uh, coaster flippy thing. Yeah, that thing. Um, this is another cool piece she made for Alec. Um, it's a flip coin, and one side says red, one side says white, um, but we only have red wine, it looks like, so we have one I option. I made the wrong coin. But this is cool. <laughs> this is like, if you're at home and you're a wine drinker at night and you have a significant other or somebody else living with you and you guys can't decide, or if you're just drinking wine by yourself and can't decide, this is cool. You just flip this thing and... Hopefully it's red. It Winner. It landed on white. <laughs> Guess but all the wines for us. <laughs> it's off camera. Who doesn't get any? Yeah, none for me. Um, are we drinking out of the bottle or do we have uh, cups? Oh, long straws. Classy, yeah, yeah. Classy just drink out of the bottle here at Wheelhouse. <laughs> so um, I'm going to let Alec tell us what we got before we keep going. Uh, okay, so I brought, uh, you know, working at a steakhouse, uh, like I said, you know, we sell predominantly, uh, you know, American wines. Sp- you know, definitely Napa Valley Red. So I brought a uh, Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. It's uh, from Howell Mountain. It is the 2008 uh, La Hoda Vineyard uh, Cabernet. It is excellent. I've actually uh, visited the... Uh, another reason I brought these two is because these are both the states that I have been to. Cool. So if you have questions, I can answer them better than if I brought other wines. Uh, and then the other is a, uh, a Pinot Noir from uh, Oregon's Willamette Valley, specifically the Dundee Hills. It's uh, the 2013 from Domaine Druin. Awesome. So cool. I think we'll go around with the Pinot Noir first. Perfect. Quick question, um, and I forgot to ask this before. 
people look at age of wines all the time. So I, I don't know the first damn thing about wine. Um, so I a lot of times look. So I see 2008 and my mind thinks that's got to be more expensive. Is there truth to that, that age, or is it a much bigger mixture of things? Uh, there is some truth to it. 95% of the wine produced uh, in the world really is meant to be drunk upon release. Okay. Um, that being said, it doesn't, you know, that 95% isn't going to go bad, you know, within, you know, five, six, seven months. Um, but after, you know, say five years, it's not going to get any better. Okay. Uh, so that other 5% of, uh, of the wine uh, made in the world that is meant to age, it's meant to age and it's seen as a commodity. Uh, a lot of your uh, higher end Burgundies and Bordeaux, some Italian wines, some uh, cult caps from Napa, uh, Napa Valley. Uh, they're they're traded almost like stocks because they do have so much value, and a lot of that is based upon their historical value. Awesome. So, what is this first one we're drinking? Uh, so, this is a Oregon um, Pinot Noir from Domaine Druin. They were Johnny. one of the. Uh, they weren't the first, but one of the first. J- J- John's signaling he wants <laughs> some wine too. He's like to, I'm stuck. Uh, hey, to produce hey, wine hey. in uh, in uh, Oregon's Willamette Valley. The, uh, it's a venture from a, uh, there we go. a, uh, Burgundy producer, um, uh, domain, I'm sorry, uh, Joseph Duran and, uh, some family members went to Oregon to see what that was all about when it came to Pinot Noir. And, uh, they've been operating there, I'm going to say around 40 years. Wow. Um, could be less though. I could get called out on it, but uh, I know it's roundabout there. Uh, Oregon's Willamette Valley is an uh, uh, excellent place to grow Pinot Noir just because of the different soil types, climate aspect that the hills have. Very cool. So, so cheers. 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 Oh, you don't have any yet. Oh, I'm getting there. We'll get him a cheers too. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Taste this. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that is nice. That's really that's nice. really very good. You know what else I'm really bad at? Knowing what kind of flavors are in wines. You know, some <laughs> people say it's earthy or this or that or has fresh cedar. pencil shaving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of people ask me what flavors they should be tasting in wine, and that would have been an easier question, say, 60, 75 years ago. But since the advent of uh, processed foods, uh, everyone has a different idea of what. A cherry tastes like what raspberry tastes like. Right. Kids grow up thinking that they know what blue raspberry tastes like. There's no such thing as blue raspberry. Right. That's a completely manufactured flavor. Um, so when I talk to guests about flavors, I try and be pretty broad. Um, you know, light red fruits, dark fruits, blue fruits, purple fruits. Uh, to try and keep it. You know, because if I say you know you get lots of cherry in this wine, and someone says no, that's more cranberry and raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a smart ass. You know, your perception of raspberry is going to be, you know, Carrie's perception of strawberry is going to be John's perception of, you know, cassis. Give me something good. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's going to be my perception of peaches. Who knows? Right. Um, and not peaches, but uh, you get what I'm saying. It's, yeah, John will say the blue raspberry. Be like, right. John. That's when, not uh, a thing. That's a great Slurpee flavor, though. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Blue raspberry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because it's blue and of then you course. have the cherry, right? Sure. It tastes good. looks fun. Oh, of the other. Makes your mouth blue. Yeah. No, this is delicious. This is really, really good. 
Sorry, viewers, we're drinking now, and you guys can't taste the wine with us. But it's really well, good. They're at I, their home. They can. True. I can say three something. I it's hope five they're o'clock at work. somewhere. Yeah, it's five o'clock <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I can't say. Everyone's got that bottle in their drawer in their desk. That uh, <laughs> I was at Smith and Walensky, and that's where I met Alec. And he spent quite a bit of time uh, at the table, just going through some of the different flavors and notes and such, and. Besides his presentation, uh, he talks to people without making them feel silly. He yeah. really, I mean, we had questions. He was spot on with all his answers. But it was just, we walked away with some great wine. Thank you very much. And also a little bit of education without feeling, wow, I'm, you know, kind of stupid. You were saying earlier, you don't really know about wine. It, it, he really is the man to to Yeah, even today. With. You know, he, the way he was talking to me about it, I'm completely clueless, but I learned a lot, but in a very educational, not mow you're a dummy way. So I appreciate that. Well, when you go out to eat, you don't want to feel intimidated. Right. And when you hand someone a wine list and maybe, you know, they're, you know, not that savvy when it comes to wine. Uh, that's why people like me, you know, at other restaurants, you know, or myself at, uh, at Smith and Walensky are there. Uh, you know, we're, we're not there to show off and make you feel worse. Right. We want you to feel good about the decision that you're making. I love it. I'm going to have to keep calling you and getting more and more <laughs> advice and then maybe stopping by to drink more. For those parties you're having in your yeah. house. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about branding too. So any advice for people who are kind of launching a business maybe and want to pick up some cool branding tips and uh, some cool branding pieces? Anything that's other than T-shirts kind of popular and you think is a, is a smart move? Uh, well, it depends on the industry okay. uh, and, and what the business is. Right. A lot of people I work with, uh, they want one T-shirt for themselves that has their logo. Right. But then if you're going to sell that shirt, unless you already have a really strong, loyal following, they're probably not just going to buy your logo on something. Right. But think about what is it they like about your business or what is that lifestyle element that they're connecting with? And then create the design based on that. Right. I think I'm going to have to chat with you off air a little bit about real estate too because I'm not that creative of a guy. I find my strength in on being an entrepreneur is I just work hard and I'm consistent, but I'm not very creative. Um, and I think real estate in general, I'm talking to, we have a lot of realtors listening, I'm sure. It's a very boring industry in the sense that they've done the same crap for a hundred years and they don't evolve very quickly mortgage people we got a lot of them listening to they're the same way i feel like there's such a good market for that um for people to be smart about branding smart about um you know uh things like this giveaways and just branding themselves so we'll have to chat about that a little bit we uh chatted a little bit on the phone about a cool learning experience i'll let you share it completely with everybody else and Give us that learning experience. I think it was the one like of a, the survey or just what I would recommend. What you would recommend. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like what you would recommend to somebody starting their business. Yeah. So I consider the last two years as an entrepreneur as a continuous learning experience. And I think the best thing that someone entering the job market or especially starting a business can do is to just actually do it because knowledge is a byproduct of experience. So I've always been a very pragmatic learner, learning by doing, um, like selling rocks, very yeah. informa informative. People don't like painted rocks as, a, <laughs> yeah. as an a item sell. by a five-year-old. But um, yeah, just go out there and do it. So sometimes I get clients who are just obsessed about uh, their logo and 
you have to get your hands dirty and just move beyond that and take a risk, just start doing things, see what works, see what doesn't, learn from it, and just keep actually doing things. Yeah. I love that. We talked about it a little bit last week with uh, our two guests, Michael and uh, Ed, about not being afraid of failure. So you obviously took a leap of faith and went forward and you did, you know, your two bi- two businesses now in two years, which is which is intense and um, very tough to do. But you just, like you said, you went with it. You weren't, a f- you knew that failure is a possibility. You still probably know it is. I, every day I'm nine years in now, I feel like I could still fail, fail at everything, but it doesn't stop you. You just keep moving forward. Do you think that's a big piece of it? You just were not as afraid as some people might be? Yeah, and I think I got that confidence during, I actually have started three businesses in the past few years. Outside of selling rocks a couple years ago? (laughs) Right, aside from that stint. Um, Yeah, I started a company called Art Room Events with uh, my co-founder, and it, it was basically creative experiences like how to paint with coffee, and we wrote a murder mystery called The Dill Pickle Club based on Chicago history, and it was really fun. Um, and we were able to scale and be profitable within a few months. And after that, I've, I felt on fire. I love it. And so even though the, the events world wasn't for me, the lifestyle of having to be on point in front of people all the time wasn't my jam, um, that was a big confidence builder for me. I love it. Do you feel like experience-related outings are booming now? Because back in the day, like even five, five or six years ago, you just go out and you would drink and hang out. Now I feel like we were talking about ping pong at bars, where trivia is kind of a big thing. Experience-based outings are kind of on the rise. Oh, definitely. Huge. Yeah. Do you see that popping up a lot with uh, Chicago Rex and everything? Is it just more bars integrating that sort of thing? Yeah, bars, but it's not just bars. It's also, you've got coffee shops that are doing a lot of cool things. Um, I just have so many examples. Like there's a brewery in Albuquerque that hosts an acrobatic troupe, and they have this really unique, I don't remember the name of the brewery, but they have these performances that are so cool. And so there's acro yoga happening. There's goat yoga and adoption of baby baby goats at breweries. and. just some really cool stuff that that is experiential, and I, consumers love that. I um, saw a goat yoga video where the goat peed on the person <laughs> doing yoga, and I hadn't seen anything. And I, I'd never seen goat yoga, and I just started doing yoga, and I was like, "Oh, these things are cute, and they're little goats running around." And then the video is just a goat pissing on some dude's <laughs> yoga mat, and I was cracking up. I was like, "Nobody probably thought that far ahead." We're gonna be editing that out. Yeah, goat yoga. <laughs> goat, goat yoga. <laughs> goat yoga. Go get peed on by a goat. But they have like events now at bars and stuff where come like hang out with. I would die, but come hang out with cats and kittens. I'm allergic yeah. to cats, so I'd be a dead man if I walked into that place. But they have like come hang out with puppies and do mm-hmm. this and that. It's a experience based outings are becoming huge. Definitely. So check out Chicago Rex for a bunch of experience-based outings. We got a second wine. I, I don't I drank you this like finished? it's a shot Looks of like you control. hated the first wine. I, I, I got through this fast. That was amazing. I have to say, if there was a bar full of puppies, I would leave with at least two. Yeah, that's yeah. my problem. I, that, would be, I that, would be, that would be really, really dangerous for me. Um, I think they have them. I, I mean, kittens are cute. I don't like cats just because I'm allergic to them and 
think they're mean, but that's uh, <laughs> that's my opinion. Um, some of my cat friends, my uh, our managing broker in our office, uh, I tease her. Paul is probably listening. I call her a crazy cat lady. Um, but yeah, if there were puppies in a place, I'd be screwed. I'd be taking them all home. That's why yeah. I can't go to paws and stuff. So if I go to paws or the anti cruelty, I just grab them uh, and yeah. go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I can't even walk past the anti you know the anti cruelty society. Yeah. Too tempting um, to walk in and then too tempting to walk out with a new friend. Especially if you're drinking too, because you're going to get drunk and be like, oh my God, these puppies. And then you're going to take them yeah. That would be a great way for the Humane Society to uh, help, yeah. <laughs> a, you know, speed up the adoption process. Is have like, uh, like a happy hour. You wake yeah. up with five dogs. <laughs> yeah, five dogs. The problem is that right. most people would return right. the next day. They'd be like, uh, I got to give four of these back to you guys. Yes, the dog walk of shame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that is an Let's idea. Keep rolling with this. Um, so what's our second one? Uh, so the second wine is uh, made by, um, this is from uh, La Hoda Vineyards. It's the 2008 Howell Mountain Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Howell Mountain, about 2,400 feet uh, up in the air um, in the uh, the west side of uh, Napa Valley. Uh, I visited there about 18 months ago. A uh, fellow that makes a wine, his name's Chris Carpenter. He's actually from Chicago. Played football at U of I. Okay. Um, moved out to uh, California to make wine, and uh, in the while he was, was first getting uh, started there, he also bartended nights at a steakhouse in the middle of Napa Valley. And actually, the way I got to meet him was going to the steakhouse with uh, the woman that took me on the tour of the uh, the vineyards and the winery. And uh, she's like, "Oh, you know, let's go have a drink." So we went to the steakhouse. We sat at the bar. And she's like, oh, by the way, this is the winemaker, the guy taking our drink order. Still today is working wow. the bar there. Impressive. Um, in, uh, in Napa Valley. And, uh, well, he hears all the gossip from all the people that work at the, uh, yeah. the vineyards uh, while he's serving them drinks, whether they know who he is or not. Uh, but he makes some, uh, some really terrific undercover wines. boss. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, and another reason why I brought uh, you know, these two is you know, there's stark differences in you know between these two wines. Just looking at them in our, uh, yeah, our, our fine, uh, our fine crystal glassware. Only here. the best at wheelhouse. That's right. <laughs> Only the best at wheelhouse. <laughs> That's right. Oh, we're, we're gonna have to get there. some branded no, you're glasses. Some, some, yeah. some branded. We're going uh, to you know uh, chalices I know a, here. I know a CEO. this <laughs> up. I think so. I think we got a CEO that can brand all yeah. of our stuff. Yeah, it does look like one is obviously quite a bit darker than the other. Oh, absolutely. The Cabernet is certainly darker, certainly fuller bodied, certainly drier. Awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of different flavors. I didn't even see it to the right here, but. <laughs> he had to hide it from you. I know. <laughs> my client um, is my Facebook friend who I'm going out on showings with uh, later today. So if he's watching, I will do my best to sober up before uh, we go and look at houses, your future home. Um, <laughs> that is really good, too. John, did you get that second one? It's delicious. No, 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 I didn't. Yeah, no, you, you don't see anything. <laughs> we definitely can't have like a whiskey or a tequila person on here because then we're definitely not doing anything after. Did you just say we should definitely we should yeah. definitely yeah. have yes. someone? Um, Can you invite other guests back for those days? Yeah, yeah. We'll we just, just have a line. Be of a growing here. community. Absolutely. <laughs> um, actually, one of the things that we are hoping to do with Wheelhouse is eventually have kind of a get together with everybody who's been on the show, kind of you know plus ones and different people and just get everybody together because the whole idea behind wheelhouse is really to just get entrepreneurs local business owners charities and people um kind of out in the open and uh, 
increase their sphere of influence and their reach. And John and I have spoken about that. We're probably at some point in the next few months going to do an event. So we'll have you guys all back. Hopefully we'll have a bunch of different people with different bits of liquor. Will this be at your house with your well-stock car? <laughs> yeah, we could. We could do it if you guys want to UberX all the way out to Northwick and then UberX back. I oh, UberStock now. It's fast. Yeah, we'll slumber party um, all the way out in Northbrook. Um, before we go, I love asking this question of everybody on. Anything you guys, and Alec, I'll start with you, anything you guys do kind of outside of business and work that kind of lets you get away from business and work a little bit, hobbies? Um, record shopping is certainly therapeutic. Cool. Um, and then you get to go home and listen to them. Yeah, but uh, drinking wine. Right, but then that also involves, you know, probably some wine or, yeah. you know, a cocktail, but... What you kind know, of music? Uh, all across the board, um, you know, jazz and blues... Uh, classic rock, okay. Um, lots of hip hop. Nice. That's uh, like a wide more, range of stuff. More, uh, you know, more, you know, older '90s hip hop. Yeah. You know, maybe early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I'm catching up, if you will. Pandora has a good '80s, '90s, and 2000s station that you might want to check out. I'll, I'll give it a listen. It's it's a good one. I love country music, which nobody pins me for. 995, 95.5 are my first two presets. They joke I'm a brown cowboy. That doesn't like riding horses, but I love country music. I love scared of horses, horses too. <laughs> terrified of horses, but I love country music. How about you? As far Hobbies? as country music, yeah, or country <laughs> music, or, or or things you do outside of running three businesses. Um, no, I I'm into country music. You yeah. are okay, cool. Yeah, like big new Phil Vassar fan. Yeah, uh, cool. I really like Phil. Yeah, and outside of work, which doesn't feel like work because a lot of what I focus on is play. I am into obscure sports leagues, competitions. So, like, right now I'm in the Royal Palms Shuffleboard League. Whoa. It's the first full full court shuffleboard Is it popular? Club. Is it, like, So they have ticket? one in Brooklyn, which is very popular, wildly popular. Uh, and the Chicago one just opened. So this is the inaugural league. Cool. It's a lot of fun. We just won our second game last night. Whoa. I saw that on SportsCenter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was like the two a.m. rerun, but you you made it. Yeah, on it. I mean, I was trying out that new move. And I, <laughs> I didn't quite nail it, but it's a work in progress. How about ping pong? Because we'll invite you to this little ping pong battle that John and I are about to have. I'm in. I haven't played in a league, but I haven't either. We just had a ping pong table, so I think I was good because I was better than like my cousins and my sister and family members, but. I probably suck compared to somebody who's good. Oh, it's but I think going I can down. beat John. It's going down. I think I'll beat John at it. Oh, <laughs> um, it's on. You know what's getting big is kickball. So our uh, office has a kickball team, and we're doing, with the Chicago Association of Realtors, we're doing a citywide um, real estate kickball event June 7th, and it's going to be kind of cool. It's just a bunch of different offices getting sponsored and playing kickball against each other. So that's kind of, we played when we were kids, and now it's kind of a big thing now, kickball. So you should check that out. I played kickball when I was in San Francisco. Really? So that's off the list. I'm, I'm good. You're good. It's harder than it looks. Mm-hmm. I was like, I played this when I was a kid. I'm going to kick this ball like way the heck out of here. And then I kicked the ball and it bounced like 20 feet. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, this is not easy. It's harder now than when I was a little kid. Well, I played when I was in my 20s. And uh, our version we called slosh ball. So it was kickball, but you had to have a beer in your hand the whole time. 
Whoa. And so you had to be holding it, and then to catch the ball, you had to kind of like do the one-arm hug. Oh. What if you uh, chug your beer and finish it? Can you then catch the ball? Uh, you could. <laughs> you drop your beer I would, again. Yeah, you should try it. Um, but on second base, you did have to chug a beer before. You, well, you don't have to chug it, but you can't leave until second base until you finish. Maybe that was just our version. Yeah. But. I, I don't think the Chicago Association of Realtors is going to allow <laughs> that set of rules, but I will bring it up at the next board meeting to see For if For our can. first big outing, like we were talking about, rather than being fancy schmancy, kickball, with Slush beer, a be little cool. wine maybe, boom, we'd be, it'd be good. Yeah, the liability, the attorney of the two thinks that the liability might be high, John. You probably need yeah, some sort a lot of, of waivers for all of our guests that are going to be drunk and fall. I just run the camera, man. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea. <laughs> I'm no legal guy. Yeah, sue us. We do. We got like wheelhouse has like six cameras and a desk. So actually, if they sue us, there's not much they can get from me. And yeah, well, I'm keeping my wine. <laughs> yeah, they'll take our our half uh, empty bottles of wine and our iPad. Don't let them take the coasters. No, no, mm, coasters are coasters mine. Are We're going to sneak them out of here yeah. <laughs> before they come confiscator stuff. This stuff's going to go go with us. Thank you so much, guys, for being on today. Um, that was awesome, educational, and... Um, Blew right past an hour. Oh, Not did even we go thinking past? about it. Yeah, flew by. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we definitely will have you guys back on, too, and um, learn a lot about wine Love the branding. Can't wait to link up with both of you guys after we get off uh, the show. For those of you watching, our uh, charity, The Real Estate Rumble, I can't forget them. It's going to be on May 17th, the Park West. Tickets are still available. All the proceeds go to the kids. The boxers are getting ready. They are like in crunch time. They got less than four weeks, less than a month before they're going to have to punch each other in the face for charity. Um, sponsorship is still available, I believe. Reach out to uh, Ryan Cotter. If you don't know how to get uh, a hold of Ryan, reach out to me or reach out to John, and we will put you in touch with Ryan. Um, both of you guys, you're invited. It's really cool. Um, it's a charity boxing event that has realtors, mortgage people, construction folks, but... Office the, people. Yeah, office, <laughs> office construction people. We're not talking about the dudes who are kind of working hard in construction, beating up on poor realtors. So, but... Uh, it's going to be May 17th at the Park West. It's really cool. They pack it. It's got about 1,000 people, and it's a whole lot of fun. So for those of you listening, um, buy tickets, show up. It's an incredible cause. John and I are very passionate about it. Next week, Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we got incredible guests um, showing up. I cannot wait to have them on. So every Wednesday, 3 o'clock Central, uh, John and I will be here on Wheelhouse. And we just thanks. keep rolling. I mean, the first two weeks, we were like, wow, blown away. Yeah. And then today, the diversity and the conversation was just awesome. Yeah. Plus, we got gifts. Yeah. Hint, hint <laughs> for next week. Man. I know, what <laughs> I know. Like, my buddy Evan's going to be on. Evan's always got cool swag. But um, the rest of our guests, you guys are going to yeah. have a hard time topping these two guys bringing <laughs> us cool stuff. But, yeah, thank you for all the love. I, John and I started this. We didn't know where it was going to go. And every week, the guests are amazing. Uh, the love and support's amazing. And we can't wait to see you guys next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. So thanks, guys, for watching. In three, two.